Who was here with us last uh, Sunday for part one of Faith Does? Was anybody challenged in your faith last week? I was challenged and inspired, and, and I believe today is going to be no different. It's going to be powerful, what God's going to speak to us by his word. And so let's just review what we looked at uh, last Sunday very quickly for those that weren't here. I, I really, truly want to encourage you to go online and listen to last Sunday's because, uh, I, as I said, this is a two-part message. I'm literally just preaching the second half today of what I started last Sunday, all right? So let's just quickly go over what we looked at last Sunday. Everybody say, faith does. Faith does. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is more than just belief. Faith is more than just a set of beliefs. There's something substantial to faith. There's substance. Come on, somebody say substance. There's something to it. It's more than just believing things up here, right? There's something to it. Faith actually does something with its belief. We, we learned last week that even the world, right? Now let's not even talk about the church for a minute, but even the world, when they talk about faith, they talk about taking a leap of faith or a step of faith, right? And so just the whole idea of faith implies action, all right? Um, faith does. Even having faith in the first place implies action. Does anybody remember if you were here last week or if you listened online? What's the first thing faith actually does? That's right. It comes. Even the, the ability to have faith on the inside is because faith did something. And it is that it comes to us, right? Faith, first of all, comes because the true God kind of faith, I'm not talking about faith and silly things. That's not really even faith, right? But the true, the, the God kind of faith, faith in God and in the word of God isn't something that you and I can produce on the inside on our own. It's not a natural thing. It's not even a human thing. Faith comes from God. In fact, look, look what it says here. Um, Romans 12, 3 says, God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Who dealt it? God, and then it says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. And we learn that, that faith, the first thing that it does is that it comes. Faith acts first. It comes. But how do we receive it? Also by an action, by hearing. When I hear the word of God, faith comes to me, right? And who does it, from whom does it come? From God. Did you know that even your faith in God came from God? How amazing is that? Faith is not, not something natural or human. It comes from God. Now, James 2.14, we also read last Sunday. It says that what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, right? Faith shows if faith is just in here or up here, it's not fully faith. Faith shows. Faith acts. Faith does. Right? Now, what does faith do? Anybody ready to continue just activating your faith even more? Okay, well, one of the things that faith does, and this isn't actually one of the points on your outline, so you can get your outline ready to go real quick here in a few minutes, but I want to ask if Felicia would come uh, up here just for a few minutes. 
Um, last week we talked about a ton of things, and I'm going to touch on it real quick here in just a minute. But one of the things that faith does is that faith goes. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? The, the, the Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations. And if we really believe the word of God, we're going to act on it. So faith goes. And Felicia just arrived a couple of days ago back from the Philippines. She went again, right, to preach and share the good news with these precious kids. So tell us what happened in the Philippines. Well, good morning. First off, I want to say thank you for all your prayers and support, being such a mission-minded church. You guys went with me, so thank you. I want to tell you a little bit about what God did while I was there. Last year, uh, when I went with Sue, Pastor Sue Yeager, who's the director of Hope Centers, um, we visited an island called Alabit. And if you want to show the first picture, this island is literally an hour ride on this boat from where one of our feeding centers is in a one of the partners that we partner with that does all the feedings they have six centers through one church there and this pastor found this island and she started making relationships with the people there so last year she took us there and we did our first feeding and a lot of the kids received Jesus as their Lord and Savior last year so we were like we want to plant the we want to plant the hope center there we want to start feeding on a regular basis there and so I came back here and one of you met with me and heard about what God did last year and paid for most of the funding for this year for this Hope Center. Yeah, so really cool. So we went there this time because they started feeding in January. And you can show the next picture. This is the island. It's a poor fishing island. It's one of the most beautiful places I've been to, though. It's such a beautiful place. You can see God's creation, but it's a lot of poverty. And the next picture, these are some of the kids that we feed right now. We currently feed 50 kids there. Um, and the next one, there they are. We're, we're doing a skit for them. We do worship with them. We face painted with them. But these kids get fed weekly, and they get discipled weekly. And then in the summer, this church is opening uh, cell groups, like e-groups there. And then in December, they're planting a church. Yeah, pretty cool. So we're helping reach these kids and their families. And the next picture, I mean, come on, precious kids. So that's one thing that we did that I'm really excited about. We visited many, many, many kids, but this is a special place uh, in my heart. So we also did uh, an encounter retreat with about 50 people from that church. So the next picture, this is them doing the cross session. It was very powerful. A spirit of repentance really came on the people. Um, and all the way through the whole retreat, just the spirit of God, the presence of God was there. And then the most powerful moment of the whole trip was the last session during the Holy Spirit session. And we just ended the teaching, and we all stood up to just praise and worship God. And in the middle of doing that, people just started bursting out in joy without anyone praying for anyone. It's just like the presence, you know, in his presence is fullness of joy. And that just came and started falling on people. So then we just started praying for, praying for them. And they're anywhere from, like, youth to grandmothers, you know, the whole age. And uh, they just started erupting in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of God fell. People started being delivered without us even laying hands on them. The building actually shook under the presence of God. It was extremely powerful. And all this happened within an hour time frame. Probably, I would say, even like more like 30 minutes. Like It's just like everyone just got touched by God in a powerful way. But the next, this is them during the burning time. So that's where the church is off the street. And then the last picture, that's all of us for the encounter. So thank you, guys. 
Thank you, Felicia, for going and setting an example for all of us. You know, we're a going church, right? We go to the Philippines. We go to Cuba. We go to Honduras. There's a trip going to be coming up to the, the, the Amazon jungle in Peru coming up late summer and another trip to Cuba at Christmas. And, you know, and, and these aren't just trips where we go to go on trips. As you can tell, we go to proclaim the good news about Jesus. And I just love the fact that it seems like whatever we're involved in, churches get planted. How cool is that? I love that. And that's what God is doing through us. So faith goes. Now, you ready to stir up even more your faith and build it up and activate it so you can do more with your faith? All right, last Sunday we spent some time in James 2, and then we took a detailed look at the first half of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Again, if you missed that, just go catch up online. But what I want to do is I'm going to try and see if I can do this in 30 seconds. Are you ready? Just put your fast-forward ears on and eyes on, all right? Last week we learned that faith earns a good reputation, faith understands spiritual realities, faith brings an offering, faith pleases God, faith builds, right? Faith marks a difference between the godly and the ungodly. Faith moves, leaves, and goes. Faith lives different than the rest of the world. Faith looks forward and not backward. Faith enables us to see the impossible made possible. Faith dies still believing. Faith trusts God even when things don't make sense. And faith reasons based on God's character rather than on circumstances, right? Now, you ready to continue with the second half of Hebrews chapter 11? Are you ready? Again, last week Liz told me, man, that bulletin was a little overwhelming. I, I was just like, it seemed like when I started preaching, people were just like, look at me, like, oh my God. She's like, it was the bulletin. You had like 20 blanks and it made it, it, made it feel like we were going to be there for five hours or something. Okay. If you were here, you know I went quick and I'm going to go quick again today. So don't be overwhelmed by the blanks. We're just going to go with it and we're going to start back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. You can follow along the scriptures on the screen, and then I'll give you the answers there to your bulletin. Verse 20. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future of his sons, or to his sons, Jacob and Esau. It was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons, okay, so his grandchildren, and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff, all right? The first thing that faith does today from this scripture is faith prophesies God's promises. We see this with Isaac and Jacob. Isaac and Jacob were not in the future yet, but they saw into the future according to the word of God. And they declared it upon their children and grandchildren, right? Faith prays and declares, it prophesies the promises of God into the future. Let's continue. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. And we know that this would be many, 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 many years and generations into the future, right? It was by faith. Uh, sorry. Let's see. Let, let, let's stop with that one real quick. Faith speaks confidently of the future based on God's promises. And this ties back into the one I just said, but we don't just say it, we say it confidently. Joseph wasn't like, maybe one day God will deliver us out of Egypt. No, no, no. God is going to lead us out of Egypt, and when he does, you better take my bones with you. Come on, we need to speak confidently about what God has said about the future, amen? 
not shrink back and, oh, God, I hope you do something. Maybe your word will come true. No. If he said it, I believe it. I'm going to prophesy it, and I'm going to say it confidently. So faith says confidently. <sighs> faith, speaks, faith speaks confidently about the future. We see that in Joseph. Now, uh, it was by faith, I think we're in verse 22, that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child. Anybody else have one of those? Hallelujah. <laughs> That's not what that means. Okay. <laughs> Especially unusually called child. Okay. You might have one of those too. And they were not afraid. Who? The, Moses' parents weren't afraid to disobey the king's command. <laughs> Number three there. Faith disobeys the intimidation of the enemy. See, the king gave a command contrary to what God said. And Moses' parents weren't afraid to disobey what the enemy was saying to intimidate them. And sometimes, we got to be rebels, y'all. Not rebellious against God or rebellious against, you know, the man, the system, the whatever. Rebellious to your parents. Come on, somebody. But there are times when the devil, and he generally speaks through the world, the world system, other people. And the world says, this is the way it is, and this is what you got to do, and this is what you got to believe, and this is how you got to live your life, and this is how you have to talk. And faith says, I'm sorry, with all due respect, but no, sir. Sometimes we got to disobey. We got to break the law. Now, y'all better, be, better be real careful with this one now. Not every law is against the law of God. In fact, most laws are according to the law of God. In our nation, the original laws were developed around the Ten Commandments. Now, we know that things have changed a whole lot since then and there are constantly laws that are being passed that go totally against the law of God guess what disobey them oh Lord Jesus I just said that on Facebook live I did <laughs> if there is a law that breaks God's law you and I the people of God are called to his law and not this law and we must not be afraid to confront and say no I will not live my life like that and it doesn't matter if everybody else is doing it or if everybody else is saying it. Or if you want to intimidate me into whatever. I say no. And I say yes to God. Amen? That doesn't mean it's not scary. But we say no to the intimidation. We disobey the intimidation. Let's, okay, before I keep going with that one all day long, let's go on to the next one. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Come on, somebody. He knew who he was. Contrary to the Prince of Egypt cartoon, he knew who he was. Moses knew he was Moses. Okay? Moses knew he was a Hebrew. Moses knew God had called him. He wasn't confused about being Pharaoh's son or about being 
the, the, the prince's brother and all that. I mean, I love Prince of Egypt. It's one of my favorite movies, but that part is wrong, okay? Moses knew exactly who he was, and when he grew up, he refused to be called that. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Come on, somebody. Faith refuses to compromise and trade God's purpose for worldly pleasures. Faith refuses to compromise and trade God's purposes for worldly pleasures. Because I don't know if you found this out yet, but God has a purpose for your life. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to fulfill it. The devil in the world will offer you a trade. But if you take the trade, you forfeit the calling. We can't serve the world and serve God. We can't fulfill what the world wants us to fulfill, the purpose that we have in the world, or according to the world, and still fulfill the, the purpose of God. You can't do it. It's one or the other. It's all or nothing. And Moses, I'll give that up. I mean, there were some benefits to being Pharaoh's adopted son. Hello. <laughs> he was a prince. He could have even been protected as a Hebrew from what was about to happen to them, what was already happening to the Hebrews. They were being enslaved. If he would have said, I'll just be, I'll identify. <laughs> I'll identify with this system. And I'll be protected from the ridicule. I'll be protected from the persecution I'll be protected from even what those people are going through if I just identify with you and he said not a chance I know who I am I know who's called me and I reject all of this for that and some of you are in a place in your life where that is literally like a crossroads you're going to have to choose. Do you want the, the pleasures of this world or do you want the calling of God? You cannot have both. And I urge you to choose the calling of God over the pleasures of this world. Because in the end, the pleasures of this world will be over and they're gone. But if you follow God and you go after his calling, that's eternal. You'll have an eternal reward. The pleasures of this world, one day you're going to die. And it'll all be over. And none of that will count. It will have been worth nothing. And you will have forfeited everything. The call of God is worth refusing to compromise with this world. Come on, somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to receive this today. All righty then. What verse are we even on, Jesus? All right. Is that what we're on? He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of, of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Faith does not fear the consequences of obeying God. Kind of goes along with the last one even more. There will be consequences 
of obeying God. Now, there will be amazing, wonderful consequences for obeying God, but there will also be consequences in this world. We will go against the grain, against the flow. We will be made fun of. We will be ridiculed. We will be opposed. We will be resisted. We will not be understood, but we will win the world. I don't know about you, but I fear the consequences of disobeying God more than the consequences of obeying him. They both come with consequences. I choose to obey him and deal with those consequences rather than to disobey him and deal with those consequences. Gets quieter and quieter as we go along. Next verse. Y'all going to have to help me because he kept, we're still on Moses, right? He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. He kept right on going. All this intimidation, all of these consequences that he was going to be facing, and he just kept right on going. He just kept on trucking, right? Because faith keeps right on going because it trusts God. He knew the one who was invisible. He knew whom he was serving. And faith just keeps right on going even when we're in the thick of it. You ever been in the thick of it because you're following Jesus? Keep right on going. That's what faith does. Moses also, it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Next one. Faith commands the word of God to his people. Okay, bear with me on this one. Are y'all with me? Not even everybody in the church is aware of the word of God or is properly instructed in the word of God. Therefore, many times, even people in the church will not understand what's going on. And the church itself, the people of God, needs somebody to say, here are the commands of God. Now, he was telling them to do something that had never happened before. The first Passover, slaughter the lamb, do the blood of the doorpost. It was a, all symbolic of what Jesus was going to come to do, right? But even though it was like we talked about last Sunday, even though when God told Noah to build the ark, Noah didn't even know what rain was. He'd never seen it. Nobody had ever even heard of rain. But he built it anyway. This, 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 this sacrifice is the Passover, all that, that had never been done before. But he did it anyway because God said do it. And come on, the church today needs a group of people that will stand up and say, I'll tell you what the word says. Not in a condemning way, not in a finger pointing way, but someone who will stand up and say, this is the command of the Lord. Come on, let's do it. And I love the fact that they followed. Huh. Thank you, Jesus, that they followed. Faith commands the word of God. Then 
This one really got to me when I was reading it because I saw it in a different light, and I hope to help you see it in a different light today. It says that it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Okay. We all think about what happened at the Red Sea as this amazing, glorious moment, right? Yes? They're there, and the the Egyptians are chasing after them, and they're much more powerful than, than the Israelites, and they could have slaughtered them all, right? But there's the cloud, and there's the fire, and God protects them and creates a barrier. And then he tells Moses, you know, to do the thing with his staff, and, and then all of a sudden the wind blows all night, and the sea creates two walls and a dry ground to walk through. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't walk through it. <laughs> okay? And we all look at I mean, I've, I've, I've always looked at it as like, I bet the Israelites were like, wow! Uh-uh. Read it carefully. They were like, uh, you sure? What if the wind decides to change direction as soon as we get in there? But God said to go through. God said. I mean, they had seen the day before the big ocean. And then the wind blew and the The ocean is standing up like, I mean, I don't necessarily like the idea of walking between two tsunamis. (laughs) I might have defected to the Egyptians. (laughs) Just saying, I don't like big water. (laughs) All right. Faith goes right through scary situations without drowning in them. Amen, baby. (sighs) Faith goes right through scary situations. A lot of times when we're facing a scary situation, we cower. Listen, you're going to have to go through it anyway. There's no way to live life without having to go through some scary situations. You live on planet Earth. Things happen. Especially when you follow God, you're going to have to face some things sometimes and make some decisions sometimes. And what is in front of you might be scary. Instead of cowering back and thinking of what in the world did we get ourselves into, we got to go right through just like they went to the Red Sea. And the amazing thing is they made it all the way through. And as soon as the last Israelite got, got through, the Egyptians said, let's go after it. And we know the rest of the story, right? They did all drown. Because if you go through stuff without God's help, you will drown. But faith does. What does it do? It just goes right through without submitting to fear. Let's uh, go to the next. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but, you know, they come into the promised land, and the first city they have to conquer is Jericho, and the Lord tells them, march around it six days, one time each day. On the seventh day, you walk around it seven times, and then you're going to shout, and that's the war strategy. (laughs) This is how we're going to take the fort, right? (laughs) Just walk without talking, and then when I tell you, shout. 
and it's going to happen. The amazing thing is they did it. (laughs) They did it. Because faith obeys God's instructions even when they don't make sense naturally. Sometimes we're in a situation in our life and we're facing something and the Lord says this. We see his word says this. The Holy Spirit says this. Do this. This is what I want you to do. Wisdom. Words of wisdom. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you feel like God's leading you to do this. And it's like, but Lord, like, what, what's that going to do? I mean, but walls don't fall down just because you walk around them and shout. Right? But when God says, walk around it and shout, they fall. So faith obeys God's instructions even when to our natural mind it just doesn't make any sense. Come on, some of you are in the middle of something like that right now. You just need to do what he said to do even though it doesn't make sense. Next. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed. We already talked about her last week, so I'm just going to go quickly with this. And it says she was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Faith is not destroyed when everything and everyone around is being destroyed. Faith is not destroyed even when everything, everyone around is destroyed. Okay. Sorry, I just have to say it before I move on. You can be destroyed along with everybody else without faith. In fact, you will be. But I don't believe anybody in this room will be. Because I believe you're a people of faith. Praise the Lord. Now let's just go through this one quick. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. David, Samuel, and all the prophets, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Yikes. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. Two things there. All these crazy, radical people of God throughout All the stories of the Old Testament. Faith dares to accomplish crazy feats. You read about the stuff they did? It ain't normal. (laughs) 
It's amazing. It's crazy. It's radical. It's daring. But faith dares to do stuff that's not normal. Faith dares. And I don't know if you've been challenged before by somebody and you have faith for something and they're like, what are you, crazy? And you're like, maybe. But I believe. And I'm going after it. Come on, what would have happened to Noah if everybody would have said, you're crazy? And he would have said, I'm truly, I'm crazy. I'm not building an ark. What's rain anyway? He would have drowned right along with him. But faith dares to do the crazy thing. Even if other people think you're insane. Come on now. From those same scriptures we just read, faith keeps on going. Even though the full promise is yet to be fulfilled. We read that some of these people that we just read in this list, many of them experienced many amazing, powerful, miraculous things and God's promises fulfilled. But none of the, and, and others experienced persecution and all this kind of stuff. None of them experienced the absolute 100% complete fulfillment of all of God's promises. But they just kept right on going and believing like we read last week. Faith keeps going and even dies believing, right? Because faith keeps on going even though the full promise is yet to be fulfilled. You thought you were out of the water, but let's go to Hebrews 12 and we're going to be done. Therefore, you know when it says therefore, it's referring to something that we just read, right? Because of all we just read in all of Hebrews chapter 11, all these folks, right, and all these amazing things they did and God did through their faith. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Come on, somebody. Don't say you don't have an example to follow. Maybe you say right now in my life, I don't really have an example to follow. Well, I beg to differ. Just look around you. There's some examples right here in the room. But even if you can't find a human being on earth today worth being an example to follow, just read Hebrews 11 and all that. Go back and read all their stories. You got examples to follow. We're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. I noticed something interesting in the scripture. It doesn't say the sin that kills you. It says... Anything that slows you down, especially that thing that so easily trips you up. What easily trips you up? Normally when you trip, you get back up, right? But what happened? You slowed down. You missed a step. You may have even missed that. You may have even missed a month. What is it that trips you up? Strip it off. Get rid of it. Jesus even told somebody, pluck your eye out or cut off your hand if you need to. Do whatever it takes to get rid of that thing that trips you up and slows you down. Because faith strips off anything that could hold us back, slow us down, or trip us up. And come on, it's not just sin. I I touched the sin part. It's also things in your life that you know are a heavy weight. They're just not allowing you to follow Jesus like you know you need to be. Things that are slowing you down, holding you back, tying you down. Don't get rid of your children or your husband or anything now. All right, you're here. Just making sure. We're getting to the end of this message. I'm just making sure we're not losing anybody. All right. But there are things that can slow you down. A lot of the time, it's sin. And a lot of the time, it's not big killer sin. It's things that just trip you up. 
Let me just make a little parenthesis right there too. Some people trip and break their neck and fall off a cliff or whatever. So be careful with tripping and tripping and tripping. Don't be tripping now. All right. <laughs> careful with tripping. Because some people think, oh, it's not that big a deal. I just trip every once in a while, fall down and get back up. You don't know when the last time you're going to fall down and that's it. I've seen people be destroyed by tiny little things that they kept allowing in their life. It wasn't a big, ugly, gross thing. It was a little thing that they knew they needed to get rid of. They knew they needed to stop doing it. They knew they needed to stop looking at it, listening to it, saying it, going there, being with that person, whatever it may be. They knew they needed to get rid of it. But it wasn't a big deal, so they just kept tripping on it and getting back up, tripping on it and getting back up, tripping on it and getting back up until finally trip, boom, done, dead. It happens. It will happen if you don't. Oh, Jesus. All right. Strip it off. Hmm. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Come on, somebody. Faith runs and keeps on running like Forrest Gump. Come on. He just kept on running. I'm sorry. I'm from Savannah, the Savannah area, and you know, it's a far, it's a thing. All right. But no, really, I know, I felt like this in my own life sometimes where I'm like, I'm running, I'm running. It's like, I don't feel like running anymore. I'm tired, Jesus. You know, keep running. Don't just take off in a sprint and then give up because you got tired. Get yourself a good pace, a good rhythm. And I'm not talking about jogging, like literally exercise, but you know what I'm talking about. You're, the way you serve him, the way you love him, the way you worship him, the way you read his word, the way you spend time with his people, the way you, everything you do for him. Just get yourself a good pace, a good rhythm, and just keep going and going and going and going and going. Energizer, bunny, faith people. Amen? Faith keeps on running and running and running. It just keeps going and going. All right. We do this. How do you do that, you say? Because that was me. I always, just keep going, just keep running after Jesus. Okay, well, how? <laughs> it says we do this. The good thing is the Bible gives us the answers. We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody. If you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, your eyes are going to get on something else that's not very inspiring to your faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. How wonderful is that? He's the one who gave me faith, and he's going to be with me through it as I run, and he's the one who's going to make my faith eventually perfect. Just keep your eyes on him. Keep your focus. Keep, the, keep your devotion, the focus of your heart and your energy on Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. It says to think about it. That's why I'm going slow and letting you think. Think of it. Like all the hostility Jesus went through. All the stuff Jesus faced as he went to the cross for us. It says 
If you think about all that, then you won't become weary and give up. Because giving up, come on, this is the last thing I'm going to tell you today. Giving up is a possibility. It just shouldn't be our possibility. Giving up is an option. I've been following Jesus for about 25 years, and I've seen people give up. It's sad. But faith, it says, after all, you've not yet given your lives and your struggle against sin. Thankfully, Jesus already did that for us. See, faith never gives up. Faith never gives up. That's your final point there. Some of you felt like giving up. I'm here to tell you today, don't give up. I learned this a long time ago, and it's true. You know who wins? Whoever doesn't give up. Because listen, you think he's given up on you? Ever? Ever. The only way to lose is to walk away from him. But if you're struggling, if it's hard, just don't give up. Just keep going. Because he will never give up on you. He will never let you go. He holds us in the palm of his hand. Jesus even said, Father, I haven't lost any of those you gave me. He's not going to lose you. He's not going to let go of you. Just don't give up. Just keep on going. Would you mind just bowing your heads and closing your eyes just for a minute?